This week on Dig Me Out. With your hosts, Jason Zia and Tim Minichi. Jay, we're back again with another episode thanks to our Dig Me Out Union on Patreon. You can help us make the next episode happen by joining us at dmounion.com or digmeoutunion.com. Speaking of the, well, actually, this man predates the union. It does. Uh, this, is, this is like um, before they formed S.H.I.E.L.D., uh, you know, Peggy Carter and, and, and the Howling Commandos were, were, were operating uh, completely independent before that. What the hell you're talking about? Just, just, yes, I I just watched uh, Captain America: Winter Soldier, so okay. just, Shield is on my mind. Um, he's been here since uh, the very first USB crossed the ocean, uh, full of all sorts of wonderful Australian music that we had not heard, including. Well, no, I don't think it was including this band. I think this was this was a a new addition to your Australian. Uh, cachet of music speaking of course of gavin reed welcome back gavin yeah thanks um i was wondering whether that was on the usb but you know when you said you couldn't find it anywhere on streaming i assumed it wasn't i just had a massive dig for the cd and i can't find that either so well you could have uh you know you know you showed us uh for well you can show us everybody now you have a 12 inch uh of the band um that uh you could have ripped that for us you know (laughs) don't you have a a vinyl to uh to digital conversion that you could uh hook this up so we could hear that yeah of course i do but uh, yeah i like you to dig gotcha tell everyone the album you have selected for this episode okay this episode um chosen the band defron and their album um pure killer so I'm going to assume, aside from this discussion, nobody's heard of this band. Nope. <laughs> um, and uh, from, what I'm, from what I'm reading, I've got an uphill battle to sell it to anybody. <laughs> I Googled, and there's very little on the internet about this band. There is, on Rate Your Music, there's one review of this band. Um, there are, I mean, you go to like Amazon and see people who purchased it in, you know, 1999, but, uh, yeah, there's, it's not any streaming services. You can, you can listen to the album on, or, you know, watch it on YouTube and they have a, there's a SoundCloud page for the band. Oh my. Uh, they are actually currently active, um, lead singer of the band. Quinn Gardner Kane. Kevin, you mentioned it. He's basically the only person left from the original band. And I th- um, yeah, I think uh, uh, with their stuff they just released, I think he got rid of the last non original person um, in the last month or so. Yeah, I, I saw on the Facebook page he welcomed two new members. Mm-hmm. I like it's I like it when bands do that, like they're introducing new members of like a catering team or something or, or people working at a, at a, <laughs> an office like, Hey, welcome our new two new office members. Uh, they'll be, uh, fulfilling your orders. <laughs> like, so deaf rhyme from Melbourne, 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 yep. uh, formed in 89. <laughs> and this album, which is at the moment, their only album. But if you go to the, the Facebook page, they tease new music, new singles, and possibly a new album this year. So it, Yeah, there's definitely one single, so. 29 years later, you might get a new Def Rhyme album. That's, but the band was not inactive um, the entire time. So the, the, the album Pure Killer came out in 1993. There were a couple of singles released, and then... So that was the Australian release. It actually was re-released by BMG Unity in 1994. Um, I don't know, or maybe that maybe that was the uh, album and then the single was released. Um, but I don't know what about the U.S. release if it got one 
or not. I don't think so. Let me take a look. No, only got an Australian release. So that's not that's not a second album release. It did not get re-released. However, so the band broke up in the mid-90s after a couple of charting singles from this record. Then they got back together uh, in uh, 2014 and put out a new single. You can check it out on iTunes and stuff. And Actually, they reformed in 2010. That was when the new single came out called Sup. And then they put another single in 2014 called Audrey. And uh, there you go. Not a lot about this band because there's one album and everybody's gone except for one guy. There is a single on streaming that came out in 2021. Ooh. Yeah, that's the new one. Okay. I do uh, the the snake. Is that what you're talking about? Yep. Yep. Yeah. And I do. I can give you a bit more background than that if you'd like. Okay. Yeah. Do it, please. All right. So they um they actually formed in a um town called Frankston, which is a sort of bayside town um in about forty k's out of Melbourne. Um, in '89, it would have been regarded as a very very rough place to live. Um, nowadays, people have realised that it's actually on the water and it's um, become quite gentrified. Um, so they formed this band in 89. They didn't have a name, but their concept was playing a mix of NWA and Living Colour. That's what they were aiming at. Um, and so the original the original music and the original concept was far more rap-heavy, um, which with Melbourne audiences in 1989 um, felt very flat. And so they then um, <laughs> moved towards the more, you know, funk, I'll just say because everyone's going to say it, um, Faith No More, Chili Peppers sort of sound. Um, they had no name for quite a while, so they decided to choose between the song titles, or two of their song titles, that they only had two songs at the time um, for that version of the band, when one was called Death Rhyme, and the other one was called Mindfuck. So the band got called Death Rhyme, which was a good decision. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, pro, um, post this album, you know, where they dropped off the radar for the first time, my belief, and I've tried to confirm this, but no, this I'm operating from memory, um, is that Quinn moved more towards like an electronic slash dance sound. Of course. Um, that's what he was then pursuing. Yeah. <laughs> <'Cause>, <laughs> um, because this album actually did okay here, they had some profile. They, they'd, you know, they'd sell out live shows. So I think that's sort of the direction he wanted to move in, and I don't even know what the name of whatever he came up with. I honestly think he went DJing, and I'm going to assume there's ecstasy involved. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's that's what I think happened, so let's run with that. Okay. Well, you mentioned um, your concerns about people's feedback. We did get some feedback over on our Patreon page along with the votes, which we'll give away at the end, how the poll turned out. But there were some concerns. There were some, there was some constructive criticisms leveled at the band. Phil Fleming said, To these ears, the ambition is very clear. These songs are performed well. The songs are just not very good. So it's a compliment with a criticism. Uh, in the context of the time it was released, they wanted to be the next Faith No More. Y- yep. We've talked about that. Um, the record ended up being C-grade extreme songs minus the guitar wankery with a B-grade Anthony Kiedis impression on vocals. The very definition of a swing and a miss. Um, to which Richard Waterman said, Phil, I wish you would just say how you really feel. <laughs> he gave it a fair what works, what doesn't work. Yeah, yeah. Um, Jason Payne I'm going to jump I- in on the... Jumping on the B-grade Kiedis thing, though. I mean, Quinn is a much better singer than Kiedis. So. Yeah, I don't think that anybody should look at Anthony Kiedis and go, well, he's the, he's the pinnacle of, of <laughs> that style. Yeah. Like, I Otherwise, I'll, I'm okay with that, but the, that's not okay. I, I can't find anybody who can stand up to Anthony Kiedis as a vocalist. Like, what? <laughs> um, Jason Pan said, I'm from uh, Melbourne. And have ne- honestly never heard of this band in my life. Must have completely disappeared by 95 when I started putting Triple J on. That, that could be possible. Yep. 
Uh, Keith Badge said that cover of Mama Said You Knock You Out is so bad, their mamas should have knocked them out. The rest is sort of Faith No More, sort of Red Hot Chili Peppers, sort of Neverland, sort of Animal Bag, sort of I'm Mother Earth, Circa Dig, and sort of Works, but not really. It's of very of its time EP. Um, I like the Neverland and Animal Bag uh, references, not bands that get mentioned often with regards to uh, bands that we're talking about. But I think in this case, that's probably fair. So, Jay, tell me one thing you liked about Pure Killer by Def Rhyme. The performances are are pretty pretty well done here. Uh, they're using, you know, not the most amazing guitar riffs in the history of guitar playing, but they play them really well together. I think there's a really tight feel between the guitar player, the bass, and the drums. Um, even when they get funky, uh, which isn't my favorite style of rock, uh, they pull it off well, just because they're playing so tight. Uh, they also do quite a bit with dynamics. So again, you know, I think, um, brass monkey is a good example, maybe even pure killer where they're using starts and stops, bringing guitars in and out accenting things and in, in ways that just keep it interesting you know it, when you really analyze what they're playing there's not a whole lot of complexity there but it's presented in a way you know that keeps things moving you know keeps momentum keeps you interested there's also some really interesting like flourishes on here uh use of keyboards uh there's like a a really strange but cool harmonic or octave effect on the song Gun. Again, takes a, a fairly pedestrian riff, but because it's played with this weird octave effect, it just turns into this kind of noisy freakout. There's little like the last track, "Sweeter Shelter," has like a sitar effect of some kind or sitar mixed in. There's some percussion here and there, so there's these little flourishes that I think, again, I think just add overall to the texture. Um, it helps things get a little bit bigger and a bit more um, experimental. Um, and then I do, I, I kind of like some of the, the vocals that have, um, I guess the rap kind of spirit or energy where he's ahead, um, of the beat. Um, he's not laying back, he's kind of pushing, you know, he's doubling up or they're double vocals to add emphasis. You know, it has just a more of a live energy to it and that kind of, um, almost like rap rock delivery, but not kind of walks that line where he doesn't go too far where you're, it just becomes a little silly. Um, he sort of brings the energy of that with, with knowing at least on this record where to pull back. So, you know, I, I kind of like some of the, some of the vocal ideas here too, as well, particularly on the, on the first couple songs. Um, they stand out a bit more vocally. Um, so that's kind of, what I heard that I, that was working for me. What about you, Tim? Well, let me start this with some people might be surprised to know that an album and a band that I enjoyed in the nineties that is kind of been forgotten, but, uh, we're in this vein. We're in the rap rock vein before it got like, before it turned into all metal and yeah, 
and and very dark and stuff but when it was still kind of fun and that band was the funk junkies uh, I was so hoping you were going to say Funk Chunkies. The the second album, Injected, especially, is the one where I kind of went, oh, I like this. It's where they, they cover I Love It Loud by Kiss, but do it as like a hip-hop rap metal song. It's totally goofy, but it it the goofiness works. Um, you can tell they're just like having fun and... Like I said, it's like it's just before things got real dark with regards to rap rock and, and everything turning into like corn and Limp Bizkit and, and not as fun. Yeah. And there were there were elements of this that reminded me of that band, as well as the obvious connections with Red Hot Chili Peppers. And I, Mike Patton is obviously an influence on it. I mean, when I hear like the chorus to therapy, that could have easily been a, a Mike Patton chorus. The way his delivery, the nasal, the like pinched navel delivery of that song, has has a Mike Patton sound. Um, when he when Mike Patton sings that way, but I was a little surprised. Like, you know, there's the stuff like that in Pure Killer and and stuff that's like okay, rap rock. You know, I totally get it. Uh, but then they took some turns. Like, Sanity was one where I was I was on board for like a good 85% of that song. It was it's not where I was not what I was expecting from this band. I didn't know that they could pull off that relaxed vibe that it, it sounds like a um like a chill somewhere between like a chill Alice in Chains song and and when um uh Metallica covered uh turn the page. Like it's just got this like you know what I mean? It's just got yeah, this like yeah. vibe, like there's a slight, uh, not southern vibe, but I don't know what it is. But there's a, yeah. there's a vibe to that song. The only part where it gets off to me is like he gets a little uh, <laughs> does, the, does the grunge vocal, the the thing that Eddie Vedder gets criticized for. It's only in the chorus part. My last note on that song is um just four R's, two G's, five R's, <laughs> three A's, and five R's. So, her, 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 yeah, there's her. a lot of that, like down in the, in the bottom of jaw, yarling as we would, yeah, yarling is a yeah. So, I was surprised. Like I thought, well, the name right away, I was like, oof, deaf rhyme. I know what's happening here. Like you're not gonna fool me. I, and, I thought it was uh, when I first started listening to the record. I thought it was deaf rhyme. <laughs> and then after I listened to the record, I was like, oh, it's Def Rhyme. <laughs> Defry me. Mm. There you go. So I did like that energy. I liked the energy of the up-tempo stuff that had a, a, a funk swing uh, metal hard rock sound that had movement. And yes, some of the riffs are not like groundbreaking, but it's all done pretty well. I mean, everything, they don't go really long on most of these songs and they don't, uh, they don't put in like a lot of, there's not like minute long intros or anything like that. Like they get to the point and they, and they do some pretty interesting stuff um, on some of the tracks with regards to the vocal hooks and, and whatnot. Like I remembered a number of these songs aside from the core or the cover. Cause I already obviously knew the cover, but no, there was a lot of hooks that stayed with me um, throughout the record. Gavin, what works best for you on this record? Um, I think the thing that works the best is that no matter whether you like what they do or, or you don't, or you like their sound or you don't like their sound, what they do do, they do well. So they're tight. Um, they're, you know, they're, they're, they're good at their sound. They're good at being deaf right, basically. Um, one of my notes was, is this a bunch of um, session musicians who were put together to go behind Quinn? But then when I looked it up, no, they've, um, they were around for quite a while. Because like you've both said, there's no, we don't have the flourishes, there's no guitar solos. I mean, even riffs is a, it's more chords. You know, we, um, what, um, one of the things that really drew me to them was, Obviously, they're a, they're a local band. I could go and see this in a, in a room of 50 people, um, and they were a ball-tearing live band. Um, unlike a lot of 
um, Australian performers around the time, Quinn wants to be a rock star. So he puts on mm. a show, whereas most of our guys are more inclined to um, almost be embarrassed by that. Um, so, you know, we just, there's not, not much dressing up, whereas, and this probably is also where the chili peppers things comes from. He's got, you know, the long hair with the shaved sides and the tattoos and stuff, which in 93 was unusual. It was, you know, he was, he looked a lot like um, Ketis, which is probably more where that comparison comes in than any actual singing. Um, but yeah, and, and also if you remember at the time, so Faith No More have dropped by this time, but Faith, so we're in between Faith No More albums at this point, yep. um, especially when these songs are written. Um, music just wasn't like nowadays, it's you hear something you like and you can go and find a hundred versions of it. In that time, you hear the real thing and you go, oh wow. And so what else sounds like this? You know, and, and then all of a sudden you come across this and you're like, okay, this is cool. I guess I'm just saying that um, back in the day, it was harder to get your hands on this kind of music. So right. this was still in the different category, whereas mm. in today's music, when now that we're you know many, many years past that, it, it sounds derivative. But it's when you look at the age of the songs, this is actually more on the beginnings of that sound side than it is on the derivative side. Right. Yeah, I could totally see, you know, if you were a, a high school kid or, you know, in college, and we're really into Faith No More and and um, maybe Living Color. You know, a couple bands like that in like 89, 90, 91. Um, there's not a lot else along those lines that if that's like the sound that you're into that is this can be easily, you know, found on like major label. I mean, obviously there's like indie stuff and whatnot. But if this came along like two years later, somehow had gotten released in the United States, like I, I could totally see this being in the same ballpark as those bands. And, and like I mentioned with the funk junkies, I mean, there's stuff that reminded me of um, Big Ass Truck on on this. Um, I think the, the Chili Peppers is more the vibe. Obviously, it's not a slappy bass that the Chili Peppers have. And honestly, a lot of it wasn't what I would think of as like, like this reminded me more of like Red Hot Minute Chili Peppers with Navarro uh, when they did a little bit more like hard rock stuff on some of those songs. And it wasn't as it wasn't, you know, the stuff that they would do with Frusciante that's much more eclectic and yeah and jazzy. There's no like scar tissue on here. I thought therapy was the most, you know, chili peppers like song on here. Yeah, especially the verses. Uh, just in terms of the cadence, there was mm -hmm. there was some similarity in his like vocal cadence. Yeah. Um, what didn't work for you, Jay? Um, I don't like that song. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't like like you were saying about Brass Monkey. I'm with you. Like I, I like half of that song, and then I start to pick up on all of the vocal affectation like all the extra unnecessary things being added, the extra yarling and sounds and very typical nineties style singing mm -hmm. that turns me off. Um, don't love the, the mama said knock you out cover. Just this song. I just never hear need to hear covered again. <laughs> you know, RC mob, Royal Crescent mob from here in Columbus yeah. also covered it. 
Uh-huh. God bless them. Great band. I I don't like their cover either. I, like mm-hmm. that to me is a very difficult song to cover. Um, the only version I've ever heard that was performed by a band that I ever thought was good is when LL Cool J did it at MTV Unplugged with a live band. And like they were able to interpret it as that live band the only way that I've ever heard. I don't know. It's got to be like a raucous kind of um, vibe. Like this almost felt like too constrained yeah. in some ways. Yeah, so I don't love uh, like when they get too funky, like I said, or do something like that, it gets a little silly. Like it becomes almost too fun to the point where like I'm checking out uh when they get to i guess somber and mid-tempo-y his vocal struggles because then he goes into like this kind of droney yarly thing that really doesn't deliver a melody for me uh a good example is a song like yeah where it's got this really interesting melodic guitar riff and kind of this gritty tone it almost has a feel like an extreme song but then vocally, it's just nothing going on. Um, it just sounds like half-baked. Um, Gun is another example where musically, it's I like what's going on there. It has that weird, like I mentioned earlier, octave effect. And it's a little freaky and noisy. And it's a cool way to kind of bring in the funk style playing, but take it to this other weird place. Um some interesting keyboards on that song, which is vocally, it's just not very compelling. So in the last song, it's the same thing where, you know, it's a, it's basically a ballad, I guess. Right. And vocally is just not a great melody. Um, so you end up with kind of this, you know, bed of music that's ballad like, but doesn't really deliver lyrically or vocally. So while I like some of the energy, um on the early almost like the rap style vocal i don't like when it gets a little too funky because then it just gets a bit silly and i don't like when it slows down and gets droney um because it's just not hooky at all there's this fine line of when he's working vocally when he's not he's got a ton of style or um range and, and styles that he can cover um i just don't like you know <laughs> two-thirds of them what do you think of Rivers? That's my I, favorite song on the album. Yeah, I thought that was a. I mean, that's 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 the best place for them to be. Like a this super cool like drum feel, and then they layer in these blasting guitar riffs. I think you know, the vocal melody is good enough. It's got some interesting textures. It just sounds unique, and it's all built around this just a cool drum groove. And I think that is when, to me, like, okay, this is working. It sounds unique. It's taking advantage of what talents they have. So that song worked well for me. Yeah, I agree. I thought that was, of the songs I would say are like the most, are the, are the straightforward sort of rock songs. Mm-hmm. That's the one that absolutely works best. Whereas you mentioned like, yeah, there is some really cool music stuff there, but it just doesn't it doesn't get anywhere with the chorus that's particularly interesting or original. Um, and I, I agree with you on gun as well. That one had some cool musical ideas, but it didn't like coalesce for me. Um, yeah. And then there, yeah, they're just like, there are sometimes there's individual choices where it's just like, he he affects his voice just a little bit too much in some parts. And I'm like, uh, calm it down. Just (laughs) yeah. Like you got to decide if you're going to, if you're going to go full tilt with it, like got to go even farther then. Cause some of the rock stuff is like laid back in comparison. It's like, you can't take a song off then if you're going to present this persona on each track. Um, but when he's doing it well, it, it really works for me. It just didn't, it didn't get the, get the melodies where they needed to be to make all of the songs as 
really strong. I think that's what like Phil was commenting on is they they sounded like um like the recording is what do you say? The songs are performed well. The mm-hmm. songs are just not very good. I don't know if they're not very good or they're just like they're not fine tuned enough in certain places with yeah. regards to the vocal. I could see why that would be a problem with a guy who's clearly the only person in the band that matters. And it's hard to tell that guy you need to work on your vocal a little harder. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if he's yeah. the one running the show, sometimes those are the ones with the egos that can't uh take that sort of criticism. Or I don't you know who who produced this? It feels like there's a lot of attention put on like performance and style and not necessarily on getting the songs to the next level. Right? It's like Yeah. You get like the energy right and get the style, like pull in all these cool styles that they're inspired by but like not enough attention on hey let's hone this song a little bit more and make a super catchy chorus and like make this work a little better so the guy who produced this um paul anison this was like his first job Mm. he's got a couple other tracks before this but Def Rhyme was like the first big band for him and then he went on to work with a lot of bands I don't recognize the name of oh he worked with The Living End on a song but a lot of this stuff no idea who these bands are Color Fast Vantage, Rocket Science Rocket Science are good are they? Okay. Oh, there's Moeller. We know them. Mm-hmm. Young Revelry. Black Cab. Those ring a bell? No? All right. <laughs> uh, Gavin, what doesn't work for you on the record? Um, for me, I think what doesn't work is probably mainly the lyrics. I, I'm completely on board or um, on board with the um, good band, well played not necessarily great songs and not necessarily great lyrics. But I do think it's particularly if you haven't heard it before. So I think nostalgia can um, sort of patch over a few of these criticisms. Um, But I think being a 40-year-old or, you know, in our 40s for most of the audience here and listening to lyrics written by 20-year-olds and it's the first time you've heard them, they're really going to sound like the work of a genius. Um, and so I think a lot of the time they don't necessarily age well. I think even, even if you just run through the list of song titles and we've got, um, you know, you've got therapy, you've, you've got, um, sanity, but you know, we're very nineties song mm-hmm. titles about being yeah. sad. I mean, even, um, <laughs> which, which one, um, even opens with, um, what's the matter? What, what the fuck have I done wrong now? It's like, oh, come on, you know? That's a, that's a terrible way to open a song. I think that's the insanity because he drops the f bomb in the first lyric of sanity. Yeah, um, that that's all. Yeah, that's borderline. That's sort of where Corn got to. Be, uh, just cheer up. This is you know, you're fine. Um, so they're probably my major issues with it. Um, unlike you guys, for me, Mama said knock you out. That's that's. I heard that version first. So when I go back and hear the LL Cool J bit, um, the version, and which I did rush out and buy because I love this version of it, um, it feels empty because there's no music behind it. Mm. Um, 
but I also have a criticism of that song, which is my and it's one of my biggest criticisms of any kind of music is they pull the the, the full um, talent show slash pantomime ending of like winding the music up and then going out with the chorus. Like he, he actually finishes with "Mama said knock you out now and done." And you yeah. go, "Oh, geez, that's you know, you know when um you have a talent show and somebody gets like a minute thirty to perform a hit that's on the radio, they always finish it that way." <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, it's that abrupt cool. ending. Yeah, and just remind you what we were singing. Um, there's also an interlude in the middle of that, which you can, probably means nothing to you guys as either, which is um. They go to a bit of um, the Master's Apprentices. Um, that's the do what you want to do, be what you want to be, yeah, that's in the middle huh. of that song. Well, I noticed that so was in there, but I didn't know what it was. Yeah, exactly. So that's, um, yeah, that's a band called the Master's Apprentices. Um, and, and that's a big song here. Um, it's because I love you. That's, so for Australians, that probably helps us to key into it because that, that's actually a familiar part of the song. <laughs> um, so I, I think that was a deliberate way to try and get some radio attention out of this. Um, yeah, so they did do they did South by Southwest in '94. Apparently, huh. I would have loved to have seen how they went over at that to see what a '94, you know, American crowd who are most likely um, almost certainly haven't heard this band. Yeah, but are probably if you're going to watch them you're almost certainly the kind of person who seeks something new um, to see whether they went over well or whether, you know, whether they didn't. I, I would imagine it went over pretty well. The, the other thing is that this hit number three in Australia, this album, despite the fact that no one can buy it, no, one, uh, no one's ever heard it, yeah, it went to number three on debut. That's wow. crazy. Yeah, it... Um... It didn't do bad in terms of uh, you know the singles charted, the hmm. the album did well. Um, got inside a man charted at number fifty one, Pure Killer charted at seventy, Mama said knock you out charted at thirty eight, Sanity at seventy. So I mean they had five, you know, top one hundred singles off this, which I I kind of that imagine that did okay for them. In terms of, I mean, none, none of them are like top ten, but that's that's not bad. It would have uh, been interesting to see what would have happened with a second album had it eventuated. Did, do you know anything about why they just immediately disappeared? No, I don't. My, like I say, I, I'm pretty sure Quinn went on to um, head in a more electronic direction. He did. I found I, it from '98 to 2007. He was re- releasing music. Under the name Propaganda Clan. Okay, there you go. That's uh, Is there a... that's the name that he used. Yeah, and he has a he also has a band. What was it called? The Black Skeleton. Yeah, the Black Skeleton, which is a more straight up and down rock band. I, I would imagine if anybody actually got wind of them, they'd fit into FM radio pretty easily at the moment. That that was. I've only discovered that recently, but I think that's a pretty simple listen, and I think it's probably a better use of him. He essentially plays the same character, though, when in the film clips he's still got the same, you know, hair things going on and makeup and outfits. Hmm. Yeah, he's much more um, uh, made up now on like their facebook page is like black makeup streaming <laughs> down his face and like it's some sort of like goth danzig thing going on i'm not sure what what it is exactly the crow perhaps or the crow yeah man people really love that movie is okay yes it's got a good soundtrack and i know jason lee died but it's an okay movie people we don't have to dedicate our lives to the crow i actually rewatched it recently it's one of the more illogical movies. Like there's the bit where they're trying to kill him and one of them goes, oh, well, we can't kill him because his powers from that crow over there, which is a very strange leap to make when there's no <laughs> apparent reason to, you know. You know, did, it's, did the guy standing next to him go, what the, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, he's like, you're an absolute genius. Let's shoot the crow. <laughs> Oh my god! And there was no real reason why for the conflict in the first place. Um, 
and no real it, it's just a bunch of things that happened and you just have to go okay that happened we're not going to explain it yeah well uh the th- people who are members of our patreon community and um are on our discord maybe they would want to discuss the crow because we have a very fervent movie discussion uh group when it comes to 90s movies i didn't realize there was so much disdain for clueless uh there's a lot of people who do not like clueless really and i i just never considered it that offensive uh i thought it was kind of goofy and but what was not my best, not my favorite teen movie of the '90s, but yeah, I think it's it's watchable. I mean, it's no can't hardly wait, but they can't all be can't hardly wait. <laughs> true, very true. Uh, all true right, about the what was the Keanu Reeves movie that was named after a sound? Um, Feeling Minnesota. Oh, my they made goodness. a movie out of a Soundgarden lyric. Yeah, yeah that's not good. <laughs> it's it's one of those like very uh introspective dopey uh indie films that uh mm. I think Ewan McGregor's in that too. Cameron Diaz is in it, I think. Yeah. It has a good cast. But mm. but no. Um All right, we got to get to ratings on this on this record. We'll talk about our poll from Patreon after we vote. Jay, worthy album, battery EP, or decent single? I'm going to squeak out an EP here. Uh, I think Rivers and God Inside a Man are my two favorite songs. And then after that, Pure Killer and Brass Monkey would be my EP. Where are you at, Tim? I have a couple more. So I like, I would go pure killer brass monkey. I like therapy. I like rivers. Um, and God inside a man. Um, if I could get him to re-record the vocals, I would include sanity or if we could make an instrumental track. Uh, so I guess I'm at five out of the, out of the 10 tracks. So that's not, uh, that's half. It's not bad. If you would, if you had just told me the name of the band, and so you're going to like five of these songs. I would have been like, yeah, we'll see, buddy. <laughs> but uh, this this kind of lined up with our, our Patreon community. Gavin, you did not get to vote. You mentioned that. So this is just of the, <laughs> of the not. Just for, it's all right. It's your pick. You don't have to vote. It was 50-50, better EP and decent single. That is the first time in a while we haven't had anybody vote for Worthy Album. So congrats. I don't know. Uh, it was it was polarizing, and I'm curious to see what people say when this episode comes out uh, on the Discord, because there's always a little bit of discussion when the new episode drops on the Discord. Oh, what did the uh, what did the two idiots think, and uh, and uh, what what did Tim mispronounce in this episode? Defrime <laughs> uh, in Melbourne. Yes, there we go. Defrime. <laughs> And Melbourne. That's my terrible pronunciation. Um, Gavin, is this a worthy album for you? Yeah, this is a worthy album for me. Um, I wasn't expecting anyone else to jump on board with that. Um, unlike other people who seem to want to make sure that you guys like it. My my mission here, my personal mission here, is to just bring a greater awareness to um, bands that did exist, that did because these are the bands that caused us to hear other things that you do like. You know, the, the, most of the things I suggest tend to be towards the earlier of the 90s, so a lot of them are a bit more confused. Um, this is a, quite a 90s story again in that that kind of rose fairly swiftly, got a big deal, had a number three record, and then poof, they're gone, um, disappeared under, you know, something else. So, but, yeah, for me, I'm I'm – Locked and loaded on a on a worthy album. I would have loved to have seen had this been big, had had this been a massive album. Would um, the last song, um, "Sweeter Shelter," and I know I agree with your criticisms of all um, of that, but I could absolutely see that being like the ballad on FM radio that people just sing along to in the same way as "More Than Words" or what, what's the Mister Big one that everyone to be with got you on board with? 
yeah, that I could I could see it being like that had they have been a big band, because then that would have been the you know the key for the rest of the audience to get involved in because there's nothing to keep you out basically. But that I, mean, I, could, I could totally have seen myself in '93 being into this because it does feel mm. like at that time it would have been pretty novel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's not a lot of like you had talked about earlier, Tim. Not a lot of bands were doing this type of thing yet. Um, and I think the performance alone uh, would have been would have been pretty fun. So, yeah. Well, I like when you p- pick these albums that are on no streaming <laughs> services and have no reviews on the on the internet uh, because they're always they're always going to be something interesting. It's not going to be boring. Even the album art is like a photo that's like of the CD cover that's got wrinkles in it and smudges on it. <laughs> Couldn't find a really good album cover picture, so it's it's a cover, a picture of the of a picture, basically. Right. I was going to try and um, just not a scan. Just because nobody's ever seen that cover, no one from this podcast. I was going to try and claim that's me. But, um, <laughs> might have been a bit far fetched. Well, I'm trying to do the math. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you you would either be way too young or way too old. I don't know, but something would be off. I don't know. I don't know what it would be. Uh, but I, time might you know time's different down in Australia, anyways. I don't know. Right. It's a it's a whole it works in a whole different direction. Um, this is of course your first visit of the year. There'll be a couple more. Uh, one will be for uh, another pick like this, and then you'll also be uh, also be doing an '80s episode, which we did last year. Uh, was the Angels double live album, which Jay and I were quite concerned going in that we were going to be reviewing a double live album of a band we'd never heard. <laughs> we ended up loving it, and I ended up finding uh, in here in the states they're called Angel City. I ended up finding an Angel City record in like oh, a dollar nice. bin not too yeah. long ago, and it's perfectly in mint condition and just. That band did not catch on here. Mm-mm. So I'm glad to re- grab a record for cheap. So I'm looking Oops. forward and, and Jay and I are both looking forward to your, your 80s pick this year and uh, the direction that you'll head for, uh, for that one. We'll be doing that probably in a couple months and then the, uh, then the second pick. Have you, I forgot if you had made, did you make your second pick yet or are you still contemplating your second 90s pick? Uh, no, no, I've made it. Um... It's well, don't spoil at least it. It's as obscure as this. Okay. Well, we'll but easier to find. We'll tease that one down the road. Um, <laughs> but thanks for uh, for coming. What time is it? It's like Thursday at like lunchtime there. Yeah, eleven a.m. We started. Yeah. Okay. It's so weird. It's so it's, oh, it never it never ceases to amaze me that you live in the future. That's that's the <laughs> coolest thing. Um, I work from home today to do this. You do you not normally work from home? Nah, not normally. I can, but not normally. Well, why would you not? If you if you could choose to, you should just work from home all the time. It's just. Uh, do you like going into an office? Uh, that's engineering, so there's a lot of hands-on stuff. So oh, gotcha. I might end up to go in anyway. You just FaceTime in. Just tell them what to. Just have them hold it up to things <laughs> and tell them what tell them what to do. You get an intern for that. Uh, thanks for spending uh, some of your Thursday uh, work from home with us and uh, we uh, will talk to you uh, in a couple months and when well uh, besides you know on the on the discord <laughs> yep um, which by the way discord I want to remind people you go to patreon.com that's where you sign up for patreon DMO union dig me out union that's where the union meets, votes on albums, such as uh, our monthly picks that are sent in via our website. Um, every month, nine new albums selected by our patrons. And every month, also roundtables. We've got Chip Midnight doing interviews. Uh, we're going to hit 600 uh, way faster than we anticipated this year. We're going to hit our 600th episode, Jay. And uh, 
I don't know what the anniversary is for 600. We've been talking about anniversaries. I think the one we really need to think about is episode 666. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> What's the most evil record? Spice Girls, Spice World. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we have to be contrarian about Satan it, right? Approved. We can't we can't do the obvious thing and, and do like a death metal album. We have to right. do something like Aqua or um, <laughs> Big Girl. <laughs> yeah. Or 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 uh, when did Ricky Martin's uh, Live in La Vida Loca come out? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm pretty sure it's satanic. See, we should actually we should do through a round table. The most satanic music of the 90s. Mm. Yeah, because in the 80s, we had the satanic panic. Right. In the 90s, it all kind of died down. I mean, Satanism was at an all-time low. It was. Hey, you know, if you think (laughs) about it, Satan's not the bad guy. He doesn't kill all those people. Right. They all get sent to him. (laughs) And he's like, I just, this is my job. I'm sorry. And he punishes bad people. How is Satan the bad guy in this situation? Amen. You hired him. To punish bad people, and that's what he is doing. It's it sounds like your job is the problem, not that uh, Satan was doing anything wrong. Um, all You're right. making sense. Do you have a Substack? I, I do have a your... Substack. It's called <laughs> Satan Got Screwed at Substack. I'm gonna subscribe right now. Uh, go ahead and subscribe. Also, subscribe to our newsletter, The Box. Look at how cleanly I transitioned from that. Boom. Uh, every week it goes out with new reviews of music, movies, TV shows, books, uh, newly released from artists relevant to the eighties and nineties, as well as our weekly release calendar. So you can see what's coming out. And then of course, um, if you, uh, if you like what you're hearing, head on over to applepodcasts.com. That's where you can go to uh, leave us some positive feedback. Jay, was there anything new at Apple Podcasts that is going on for us? Not yet. We'll have something to announce there soon. Okay. Announcement still, coming soon. Something special from the Jay toolbox of, uh, of uh, various internet things that I don't know how he comes up with them, but he's just like, I'm doing this, and I'm like, okay, dude, do it. Oh, <laughs> so, good luck. I'm over here turning knobs. You are ty- like, turning knobs mad, and types typing in ones and zeros. Mad professor over there. Got the whole thing. You got web three. We're already on web four. That's how far ahead we are. <laughs> we're web four here. Oh man, I don't know about that. We <laughs> can right. barely stream. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. It's true. <laughs> it's true. The only thing we're streaming on is a is an AIM account from uh, 2003. That's it. All right, for JM Tim, we're out. We'll be back next week with another episode of Dig Me Out. <laughs>